website or IG site. Um, I'm Troy Haynes, former UCLA jumper, just former jumper. Um, and this is my attempt at a podcast and we're going to call it raise the bar. That was, that was my tech guy's idea. I liked it. So call this raise the bar number two. And I'm uh, very fortunate to be talking with Doug Nordquist. Uh, he's a former uh, U.S. great high jumper. He is a jump seven, eight and three quarters. Uh, I got a, the pleasure of competing against Doug when I was still jumping. Um, he was still jumping for, he was probably jumping after a while after me still. Um, he was at the 1984 Olympic Games where he jumped and made it into the final. I remember that. Um, I can't remember. What place did you get in the final, Doug? Uh, fifth place. Fifth place. Seven. Was that 7-7 seven, seven or 7-6? Seven, 7-6, six? Seven, uh, seven, six, I think. Uh, 229 was okay. the, the height I jumped. So d- jumped very, very well. Re- represented well. I remember your cousin Dwight got the bronze with the 7-7. Mm, no, seven, not, seven. not at the not No, at fourth. Games. That's right. Jumped far higher than he ever had, but still didn't yeah. know. Yeah. So he got bronzes at the other ones. That's right. Did, and then Dittmar, uh, Javier. Mogenberg. Mogenberg won it. Yeah. Joburg then, came in second. And then Zhu Zhuzhinwa. That's right. Her, yeah. So Her. those three, Zhu Xinhua was the current world record holder at that time, if I remember right. And uh, yeah. but anyway, Doug uh, wanted to talk. He's been very gracious in giving us his time. And uh, we're going to see and hear all kinds of great stuff. And uh, where is my list? There it is. So the first thing I wanted to get to, Doug, was um, a little bit about your background. I've, I've known you a lot of years, but uh, and I know where you went to <coughs> college and where you went to junior college. But then uh, high school and uh, your other background stuff, I don't know much about. So give us a little background on you, your athletic history. Uh, well, uh, actually, my journey to high jump started in, in 72, watching Dwight at uh, the Munich Games, where he right. got did get the bronze. That's right. Um, and then um, and he was only what, 18 at that time. Yeah. He was a freshman or a sophomore at UCLA at the time. And, and wow. uh, yeah, just a kid. Uh, in fact, I've, I've seen the video of him jumping and he's just, yeah, he's just a young buck. Uh, and then went back to Munich the next year and broke the world record. Wow. In the Olympic stadium, if I recall correctly. Um, but I started uh, jumping as a freshman. I actually, Turned out for football as every freshman boy did back in the seventies, right. and then um, didn't didn't went went to every practice, didn't play a down. Right. Um, and then I was going out for baseball, and and uh, the coach said, "Okay, two laps, twenty five bar dips, and twenty five pull ups, and hit the showers." And so I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> and the the uh, track coach was uh, Glenn Spradley was taking the kids around and showing them all the different events. And I went over and to talk to a friend of mine, Chris Hyatt, and he hit me on the top of the head with his pole vault pole as they were trying to do this. And I right. said, okay, this is what I want to do. Knock some sense into me. So I started uh, turning out. I um, tried the hurdles and, um, and the high jump. And, uh, you know, my, my dad was a teacher and, and he'd never been, uh, had anything to do with track and field. So the, the track coach says, oh, you need to go out and get some, some running spikes or some, uh, some track shoes. Right. And we went to the, the original house of vans and got some speedy looking flats. I, I mean, they right. were just, you know, and I showed up the next day and, he, and the coach said, uh, when are you, when are you going to get your, uh, your track shoes? And I'm going, uh, <laughs> these are them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we went out and bought a pair of Avantes, Adidas Avantes for like 14 bucks or something like that. And then, uh, 
as a freshman, we ran the, was it the 70 hurdles or the 90 hurdles? I forget. Okay. It was a short, shorter race. And then uh, jumped the high jump. And the last meet of the year, I jumped 5'4". Uh, it was a PR. Um, and then, uh, in fact, there was a gal on our campus that was a, 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 had jumped 5'4 earlier in the year. <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> and then uh, sophomore year, I jumped six two over my head. Oh, I went to Sonora High School in in, uh, in La Habra there. Okay. We, Familiar we with did, Sonora? Yeah. We, we played them in Florida back in the old days. Now it's some other Raider. And uh, jumped six two and a quarter my sophomore year, and uh, that was the first time I jumped over the my uh, my head, the, right. the over my height. As a junior, uh, jumped six six. Um, and three quarters broke the school record nice. and um, made it to CIF. But uh, some guy named Anderson, Mark Anderson. Oh, wow. Making, really? Making the, fi- uh, the CIF final. UCLA great decathlon. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah. He was from Walnut. And so, okay. uh, yeah, he, he made it and I didn't. Oh. <clears throat> and then my senior year, I jumped 6'10", three times, uh, set the CIF that time, two-way record. Um, right. The league record, school record, uh, made it to the state meet and got third. Um, Dennis Smith, who went on to play football, he was an yes. FC, USC FC, safety. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he went and played for, for the, the, Char- Bron- the Broncos. Broncos, right. Broncos for yeah. years. Um, and a kid from Merritt whose name escapes me was second, and then myself, Gail Olson, and Kelly Gordine. I think Gail Olson. Not Gail. Olson. Not Gail Olson. Um, uh, he was uh, from El Camino uh, High School, something else, Olson. Okay. Rob Olson, Rob Olson, Okay. Anyway, so then uh, didn't get any scholarship offers. Well, I did to, to some universities and colleges that I already had school records. Right. So I ended up going to Fullerton College, um, and I shouldn't say ended up. I chose to go to Fullerton College, uh, where I jumped seven feet for the first time my freshman year. Um, and then actually was a national record holder in the shuttle hurdles for a, about a minute. Right. Uh, and the next heat, uh, Long Beach City broke the record. Or Long Beach, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Long Beach City. And then uh, went on to uh, jump seven, two and three, seven, two and a quarter um, in my sophomore year, 1979. Uh, actually got to compete in the, the um, AA, last AAU meet, I think it was, at Mount Sac. Um, really? placed seventh or something like that mm-hmm. got a scholarship to washington state junior year sucked um senior year jumped seven four and a quarter um had the best jump in the nation for about two weeks because i jumped it was 81 uh 80 80 no uh yeah 80 um and then w- went to the indoor uh nationals uh where leo williams won mm-hmm. uh, detroit um, and then, uh, we were a big dual meet team at Washington state. Um, and, uh, so by the time it got to the, the big meets at the end of the year, I was out of gas. So I never yeah. competed well. The <clears throat> pack 12 was, was a grind back then because of yeah, well, from UCLA and pack 10, but yeah, my, yeah. in fact, um, right. uh, jumping against Lee Balkan and, um, uh, uh, James Frazier at Arizona, Right. So there was some there was some good jumpers. In fact, I think I have the dubious distinction of being the losing by the most inches. I think <laughs> um, 
against Arizona, I jumped six ten, and and uh, um, Frazier jumped seven six or something. Wow. Like that. And then he shut it down because he was going to go to the Pepsi meet the next day, and he, I, I think you know, I did or jumped really poorly. Yeah. <laughs> and he was he was he was jumping well. Um, so after uh, graduated from Washington State, um, started teaching, and that was eighty two. 83 and then 83 to 4 said okay let's let's start training um you know I, i've got this olympic goal in my mind uh, hooked up with jim Kiefer, who was then the uh fullerton college uh track coach uh he helped me out trained with uh, fred dixon uh 1976 olympic uh decathlete mm -hmm. and um randy benson who was a quarter miler out of kansas uh, K State, right? You know, Jayhawks, yeah. Right. Um, okay. And and um, I chased them around the track every every day. They were stud runners, and so I was chasing them around the track. And um, but uh, hooked up a lot, uh, Dwight, a little bit that year. And the thing that he got me to understand, because one of the things I, I, I always had was a, a tenacious work ethic. Mm -hmm. um, I, I learned that early because I was not the fastest, I was not the strongest, so I had to outwork everybody. Right. Um, and the thing that, that Dwight got me to understand was the the, um, the 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 importance of rest towards the the bigger meets, and I started yeah. to do that. Okay. And, and I lost. Uh, I was a sumo high jumper in college. I was about. Uh, 185, and then one. You got nothing on me, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, one eighty-five. When I made the team in in eighty-four, I was one seventy, so I lost. Really? Yeah. Wow, fifteen pounds. Yeah, yeah, that would have been phenomenal if I could have done that. Yeah, but uh, wow. the interesting thing about the you know eighty-four, um, I qualified for the trials. I jumped seven four and three quarters, two twenty-five, right? Seven, mm -hmm. four, quarters. Um, at a little meet, uh, all comers meet at Cal State LA that was on for like four hours. They started like at, at five feet. Right. And uh, into those, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, warm up and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And I, that's where I PR'd for the first time that year. Um, PR'd at Mount Sac, um, PR'd at the Nationals and got fifth or something like that up in San Jose. Right. So I was coming into the trials feeling pretty good about life um, and my chances. Uh, and then the 52 guys made the, the seven, four and three quarters wow. qualifier. Yeah. So wow. we had two pits going uh, in the Coliseum and uh, I was scared spitless because I was yeah. really worried that, okay, I've been dreaming about this in, in uh, for 12 years and here it was going to come to fruition or it wasn't. And I was really, um, in, 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 a, in, a, in a, how do I say, a, I don't want to say bad mind, but I was really afraid, you know, right. I was concerned and jumped seven feet, seven, two, and then missed seven, four, uh, seven, four and three quarters, I think was a, the qualifying auto, auto qualifier to this, to the, um, to Sunday's final. And I didn't make it, um, but they needed 12 in the final, uh, and only 11 had made that height. And my pit was done, and so I was w watching the other pit, and I remember doing everything I could, doing voodoo and, and <laughs> sending evil thoughts to people as they were jumping. And I remember uh, Marshall Broadway was was the last guy to jump at seventh uh, at the automatic qualifier, and if he made it, I'd be out. If I if he made it, if he missed it, I'm in. 
and he missed it. So I got in, I think 16 made it to the final. And I went home that night and did some, some big time soul searching about, uh, my mindset. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I almost gave away my, my, uh, dream with a crappy performance. So, yeah. uh, you know, I said, okay, if I'm going to lose this, it's, it's not going to be my doing that. People are going to have to beat me and I'm not going to get on in on somebody else's misfortune. So, so the next day, so there's no training, there was no, yeah. no technique change, nothing. Um, just went in with a, a positive mindset and, uh, and, uh, seven, two, seven feet, seven, two, seven, four, and missed and then made it. And then seven, five and three quarters, a new PR made that went to seven, seven, um, third attempt. I was in fourth place. Uh, Leo, a buddy of mine twisted his ankle. Oh. So there was, so there was on his third attempt. So there was yeah. a question whether he would be able to, to make it. So, right. That would put me in third and I'd get in on somebody else's misfortune. Um, and so uh, to back it up a little bit, one of the things that Jim would do in training practice, uh, training when it was getting towards the end of practice, he'd say, OK, the bars at seven, seven, you make it, you're on the team, you miss it, you go home. Right. And uh, I was in the scenario and in practice, I don't know if I ever made it. <laughs> right. But that time, uh, you know, I made it uh, for the second PR that day and. Uh, wow made the team and great time was, to PR at the right. The yeah. Trials. yeah. And, and that's one of the things that I, I was able to do pretty much throughout my career was my PRs. Um, uh, when I was in college, I PR or PR at the state meet, um, at Wazoo, I PR against the meet, uh, at, uh, against Washington, uh, Oregon, right. Uh, the Nemes, uh, Oregon, uh, a dual meet, um, PR at the nationals. I, I did, Big meat PRs. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so I was able to always, uh, able to do that. Um, PR, uh, the next PR came two years later at the national championships yeah. in, in Eugene. And that was great because I won it. And then my, uh, my Washington state coach, uh, uh chaplain, um, gave me a, a Washington state t-shirt to, to take the victory lap. In, right. Oh, well, that's great. And they, they didn't like Wazoo at that time. Um, <laughs> right. John Chaplin, I couldn't remember his first name. So uh, PR'd there, PR'd again that summer at the Goodwill Games in Moscow. Uh, my next PR actually came at a, at a, I forgot what the auspice, there was a meet at, at, down at UCI um, in 90. Uh, well, I, I PR'd at, at the 88 um, National Championships and then uh, tanked at the trials. Uh, right. I started to, I uh, had a heat stroke. Right. Yeah. And, you were telling me that story. Didn't, uh. didn't realize it. So uh, bars at seven, five or something in my body is pins and needles from head to toe. And, uh. and in retrospect, I found out that was part of a uh, heat stroke. Um, wow. And then uh, in 90 at Cerritos uh, in the national championships, again, PR seven, eight and three quarters for my, that was life. the seven, eight, three quarters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's where I tied Hollis. And it was interesting because, you know, mental imagery is an important thing in the high jump. And, uh, when I won in Eugene in 86, you know, I'd competed in Eugene uh, in college several times. So I knew the facility and I, and I knew it had rain possibility, it had sun possibility, it had wind possibility. Right. So in my mind, I, I competed at the meet every, uh, in every which way. You were ready. And, uh, you know, it, it happened just the way it, it went in my mind. I was first attempt all the way up through seven, seven and, and, uh, 
and ended up winning. Uh, did the same thing uh, uh, in eight, in ninety in Cerritos. Um, first attempt all the way through seven, eight, and three quarters. Uh, the only problem is Hollis was as well, so we were tied wow. for first place, and he beat me in a jump off. So uh, wow. I couldn't, couldn't be upset with my performance. Uh, so I, amazing you know, at that level, yeah, you jump yeah. seven, eight, and three quarters, and you don't win. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a great. You know, Hollis is a good guy, so. It, mm-hmm. If you're going to lose to somebody, you might as lose somebody you like. But it was, you know, right. you, you can't you can't get mad because, hey, I PR'd. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting, too, with track and field. It's it's such a different thing because we're always trying to better ourselves first. You know, right. And, well, think- and the high jump, you know, the high jump and the pole vault are unique in that you're not competing as much against your uh, your competitor as you are the bar. Right. You know, and so I think that's why I think high jumpers and pole vaulters are have a lot more camaraderie um, than do uh, sprinters and and uh, and uh, long and triple jumpers, although they I think field events lend itself a little bit more to camaraderie. But, you know, they wouldn't ever put two sprinters in the same room in Europe. And I was I was roomed with Jimmy. I was roomed with uh, Hollis, you know, Vulcan were my roommates in, in, in Europe when we used to compete. So, uh, but you wouldn't put, uh, well, Carl had his own suite. Right. Hotel, <laughs> so, you know, that was a different story. Right. Stuff, but anyway. He was the headliner. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I find that, that interesting because, you know, that whole uh, motivation to beat someone else can really backfire. Right. In, in that situation. If you're, I think if you're watching the other person too much, I equate high jumping with golf a lot of times. Right. And, uh, you know, that mentality can get, get you in trouble. If, I, if I'm hitting the ball great and the other guy's hitting the ball great and he's knocking it in and I'm missing, you know, all of a sudden I'm three down and you start thinking, yeah. oh, my gosh, I got to do this. And, you know, it can yeah. really affect the way you're swinging and, and the high jump's the same way. You know, if I well, watch that's the thing else, that, that Dwight was uh, the master at is is getting in getting into people's heads you know right. he, he talked about um i don't remember he was competing at some point uh against the russian and you know he can't make camp dwight off to the side and be nonchalant you know he's watching he's he's t- paying attention but you know he's you know camp uh just chilling and everybody oh man he's how's he so relaxed and right people get you know starting to think about him when they should think about themselves yes and uh you know um so he was he was uh a master at that but uh, yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's 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 you've got to take care of yourself it's you against the bar it's one jump um you know and and uh if if you don't make it, it doesn't matter what the other guy does. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Well, wow, that's that's a amazing history. The the sports you tried and things you did in high school and college, uh, junior college at Fullerton, off to Washington State. Yeah, I'll, uh, you know, just just a sidebar. Uh, Fourteen six college highs and forty eight mid i think i don't remember the the inches it's been a while in the triple jump okay um, was uh my two other uh PR. that's really good yeah i always tell my kids when they ask me they go what do you what else did you do coach Haynes? i'm like nothing nobody <laughs> wanted me to do anything they didn't say hey why don't you come try the long jump or why don't you come try the triple jump it was always just 
this is your gig. You're slow, skinny well, white dude. We, and we talked one. about uh, when I peaked, you know, through um, uh, in 84 with, uh, you know, learning how to rest. And uh, I think in, in high school, I naturally peaked because uh, I ran the, the three, the 330 lows and 39.2, I think. That's pretty good. And then the highs and the triple jump and the high jump. And I didn't make it out of CIF prelims out of the 300s. So that I lessened my Rest training. Yeah. Uh, I didn't make it out of the finals on the highs. So that rested me. And then I made it to the masters. I think I made it in, in triple, but they didn't go any further. And then made it meet in, in the high. So each week I was lessening my training and resting as it were so right i think that uh, had a little bit to do with my success at the end of that year just by chance right um okay so the next thing that i had on my my list of things to go oh one, one more thing going back to high oh, school no. I, um and community college uh there was you know i my coach didn't know anything about high jump he, he was a distance coach and he the good thing he knew he didn't know anything about high jump so he didn't try to to uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I went to the world's greatest track and field camp at Mount Sac in 1976. Um, uh, Gian Tansley, unfortunately, who just passed away, I think two weeks ago. Really? Uh, yeah, mm. had had two camps that I'd go to out at Glendale College. Um, so I sought out, um, it, you know, it was before YouTube <laughs> and right. Instagram, but I sought out uh, experts in the field of, of high jump because uh, the people around me didn't have that. So I right. went to where I could find it. I love that. Uh, did you ever get a chance to work with um, Telez at all? No, no, I did not. That's not Yeah. Uh, Dwight Stones was the clinician at that world's greatest track and field camp and uh, where I was, it was a junior year and I couldn't walk and chew gum. I was going through my growth spurt, not right. the standard over and, <laughs> and, and Dwight actually told me to get out of the sport before I hurt myself. So. <laughs> but I got the last say in that I do have the family record, so. Absolutely. He jumped now, seven eight. I jumped seven eight and three quarters. That's right. So you're a first cousin, second cousin. Oh uh, yeah. They were Stonestrom when they came over from Sweden and Soder, uh, Soderblooms and so yeah, it's it's third cousin or something like that. Okay. And now, how did you find that out? Was that around well, about? It was, no, it was in eighty uh, seventy two when he was jumping. You know the uh, the family said, yeah, he's. Ed Stone's kid from okay, so yeah, okay, yeah. So it was known; it wasn't discovered later. Okay, no, no, yeah, it was known. Um, yeah, for uh, I was curious about the the coaching tree thing because you know I've had a a great chat with um one of your your coaches, Jim, you know James Kiefer. Yeah. Um, you know the first time I met him, he was the head coach at uh, Fullerton JC for years, and I had started coaching at uh, Orange Coast College, so. And you were there at the time mm-hmm. as the high jump coach. And so that was when we started, you know, button heads again, you know, yeah. <laughs> our athletes instead of jumping. And uh, I, I had no idea, you know, him being the head coach, I did not know anything about his history. I did not know right. that he had, you yeah, know, what kind of couple, athlete he had been in and that he had coached the high jump and all these different things. So And a guy named, uh, let's see, Lout and a guy named mm-hmm. Banks and a guy named um, Tully. 
Yeah, he right. had a couple of kids in his background. Had a couple, yeah. So um, there was a lot of a lot of great uh, knowledge there. So you you worked with uh, Stones and Tansley and Kiefer, and then um, when another coach. Washington State, Rick Rick Sloan at Wazoo. Rick Sloan, okay. He was a '68 Olympic decathlete, and the, uh, an interesting sidebar on that. When we were in the weight room, he'd had his Olympic ring on, and he'd right. spot me, and I, in this bench press, you know, all all hundred pounds of me. Right. And, uh, um, you know, I'd see that and I'm going, OK, I'm, I'm going to have one of those one of these days. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that kept my Olympic dream in the forefront as I was uh, going on in my career. And then uh, the, the last one on the coaching tree that I know of was a coach that we shared in common was Alan Hankel. Right. And I was I was curious as to how that relationship started and all that. Cause I know he's a, he was at UCLA when I met him. Yeah. Well, it, after around. after my disappointing uh, 88 Olympic trials uh, experience. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I, I retired. I mean, I drove home and I, I didn't, I didn't train for till January and I, I said, okay, well, let's get this going again. And I was pretty adamant about uh, not taking any performance enhancing drugs. And Alan right. was trying to start a company called, um, well, it was Athletic Corp, but he was trying to start a, uh, a, a group of athletes that would sign a, a affidavit saying they're not using drugs and they would they would be right. drug tested on a regular basis. And, and I went to the first meeting or one of the first meetings at a hotel in Redondo Beach or someplace out over there. Right. And we started talking and, and, and I felt, you know, Jim, uh, yeah, I'm still good buds with Jim. Um, and, uh, but I just felt like he had his program and, and had his priorities there. And so I said, let's, you know, let's give Alan a try. And I remember, uh, the first couple workouts, he's telling me to do these things and I'm going, you're, cause they were counterintuitive what I've been trying. And I said, well, right. you know, let's give it a shot. And, and, uh, it sure worked out, but he was very meticulous in, in the planning, uh, the workouts. Um, and, uh, the, to the diet that I was supposed to be eating. And, right. and uh, so he was very meticulous in all of that. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I had the experience of training with him for my last shot at, at the trials. And when I say that, I mean, just to qualify, I never, I never even made it to one. And I tell people that I trained for the trials yeah. themselves, but I never actually was able to get there in you know, right. your year in 84. I think I was a, a sophomore at UCLA and had, had not jumped six, seven feet at that time. Yeah. So my goal was to jump seven feet right. and ended up se- jumping seven, two. And it wasn't until that year was over that I didn't, I realized that the Olympic trial qualifying height was like you said, was four and a quarter, I think. Four and a half. Four and a half. So yeah, 20, 20, two, 23, 24. I don't remember. Yeah. 20, 24, 22 I think. is three and a half. I, so, yeah. 24, yeah. I think was a trial. So yeah, it was, and I, uh, you know, I, to be honest, I didn't even have that on my radar. I was right. trying to jump seven feet and then seven, two was kind of bonus and you know, all that. And then you know, I was only what, 22 and 84, I think. So in, yeah. in 88, I was thinking, you know, okay. And, and that didn't work out. And then, so 92, I think I was getting to 28 by the time right. I started working with Alan. And that was, uh, there were a few eye openers, like you said, I'd been jumping since I was 12. So 16 years of 
you know, when you talk about counterintuitive, there were a lot of things that I was like, I think I was an old dog that couldn't learn any, any new tricks, you know, but, uh, so yeah. Alan Hankel, awesome. Um, and he, do you think he was instrumental in, in you getting seven, eight, three quarters? Was it just, a that with the new techniques and all? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, it was, I was fitter than I ever was. And, uh, he, uh, really, uh, yeah, it was, I, I had more speed to the bar than I ever had. And, right. And, uh, it was just, a uh, a good, a good relationship. And, uh, yeah. So faster. Uh, was, and uh, I keep wanting to, I, I keep playing your, your run throughs in my head because I'm trying to explain to my kids the need to run through the bar, accelerate and run this radical hairpin curve that I right. saw. The only person I've ever seen do this is you. Yeah. And I, 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 I have a hard time getting my kids to do it too. So, right. <laughs> well, I apparently for good reason, because it's, it's not that easy, but uh, yeah. you know, I was watching the, the body lean at takeoff and, and just incredible speed. And you're watching somebody who's six, five, who's running the curve so hard, leaning yeah. so hard to the left that they look like they're about three feet tall. Yeah. And I'm watching you go around that curve and I'm like, yeah. oh, that's when things started to click in my head where I'm right. like, I understand the curve now. I understand why he's going straight up. And, you know, that's, uh, yeah. but not easy to, uh, oh, yeah. to get it's, across. It's, it's not, yeah, it's not a natural thing at all. Right. But I think that goes, you know, I, I think um, Rick Sloan, uh, at Wazoo was, I remember we used to run the approach without jumping. Um, and in fact, um, we ran it so much, almost too much. I think before you know, my first year up there, when I got to the bar, I forgot to jump, you know, right. I forgot how to, to, to come off the ground. And, and, uh, you know, so that's, there's a fine line of, uh, um, John Morris. Do you remember John yes, Morris? Yes. Cal. Great jumper from Cal. Yeah. Yeah. He can't be a dummy if he's at Cal. Right. But he, I remember at Cerritos where I jumped seven, eight quarters, he jumped seven, seven from five steps because wow. his uh, full approach just never got him into the right place. Right. And he always asked me, how do you get such a good approach? I said, well, I, I run the approach. And it's like, you're at Cal, you're smart. You should be able to figure this stuff out. And I'm, I'm glad nobody figured it out because he would have really jumped high. Oh my gosh. He yeah. would have been able to carry the speed from a full approach that he did on his five steps. Yeah. Well, it's a lot easier. I, I learned that. Um, my, my first time over seven feet at UCLA was from a standing five step. So mm -hmm. I, I learned that it was easier to control, right. to manage, but then you have trouble kind of yeah. stall up on top well, of the bar and you can't get into the pit if you're going too slow. So. Right. And that's the thing that, you know, I, I, I try and do with the kids that I work with, you know, um, just last week we moved back to a 10 step. We right. started, started the year competing with a six step, just nice right. and slow, just working on the acceleration, trying to run a good curve and then moving back to, uh, um, moving back to a, an eight step. And now we're going to end the season here at, at a, at a 10 step. And every time we move back, I keep telling them everything happens faster. You've got to be quicker. You got to make sure you got to, uh, stay in that, that curve becomes harder because you're carrying more speed and, and sure. yeah. 
And so, yeah. Much easier to blow through when you're running faster. Yeah. So, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, a couple of them did that yesterday. I said, wow, you know, because they're, they're not trying to run faster, but they have two more steps. So they end up getting, getting moving right. faster and, and they do miss that, uh, the curve. Now, I wanted to bring this up really quickly just because we're both still in this business of coaching and training. Um, and uh, a lot of the, uh, the podcast listeners, I'm sure, are going to be interested in uh, what is kind of the latest um, and newest. I've been seeing some of these guys on Instagram. One, uh, my first guest um, on podcast number one was a guy named um, Aaron Washa, who's a, a six foot two, you know, wide receiver in the now defunct AFL who's trying to make it in the NFL at age 28 or 29 that I saw do a six foot box jump from a running approach, you know, three or four steps or something like that. But taking was, off of two feet, taking off of two feet yeah. and jumping up on the six foot boxes. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. wow, you know, I, I, I had my experience with some boxes and I thought I was pretty good. And I'm like, wow, this guy's, uh, you know, really getting up there. And, and wasn't my, the my first sh- that I'd seen my shins had a good exp- or a bad experience with boxes. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you did one of the misses and scraped oh, all the way down. Yeah. yeah. My buddy, I don't know if you remember a guy named Brian Mergenthal, uh, went to UCLA. He, you may have met him once. He was a yeah. scratch golfer from, um, good, good friend of mine, a teammate at UCLA went to LA Pierce college, was a scratch golfer yeah. and like a six, eight high jumper. Right. And then he ended up jumping six eleven his senior year, but he, he did a box jump in the gym at UCLA and he, he did the toe miss oh. and went straight down the shin and oh. took like three inches of skin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, and those were, wo- those were wooden boxes. Those yes. are the ones with the little rubber pad on right. top. All these those... new ones now with the nice foam padding. Oh. I'm like, these are great. This was a hard edge wooden box and he scraped his shins and he went to work the next uh, night and he worked at this uh, Chinese restaurant. And so all the guys are asking, they said, you're limping around. What's wrong? And he said, well, I did this box jump and I hit my shins. And they're like, they didn't understand what a box jump was. So he's showing them on this. He shows them this countertop. that's about, yay, three feet high or something. And he goes, it's like this, you know, and you jump up onto it. They're like, I don't understand. So he ends up demonstrating. He's not warmed up. He's wearing jeans or or his dress pants. Yeah. (laughs) His shin on the same, on the corner of this. I was like, oh my gosh, you you didn't let them make you try it again. Hey, Troy. Yeah. um, My computer has been doing some weird things. Um, Let me, let's hook up on my wife's computer. She's got a. Okay. So I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, Just call back. Yeah. I'll I'll get you back in a second. Okay. Okay. I'm down to 38% and I'm, Plugged in. Okay, I see. Okay. Okay, All right. Bye. So we're taking a brief break with uh, Doug Nordquist. He's switching computers. Um, for those of you uh, younger viewers or younger viewers, younger listeners on the podcast, uh, Doug uh, Nordquist is still has one of the higher jumps in United States history. Uh, a lot of these names that you're hearing him throw around from uh, Lee Balkin, who was a UCLA great that I was lucky enough to train with and, and compete with for a couple of years. Um, jump seven, six, seven, seven, Del Davis, seven, seven, uh, Leo Williams. We're going to hope to get on one of these podcasts. Leo's out here. Now uh, Doug was talking about him in the trials. He jumped seven, six, um, a lot of these, uh, you know, old school quote unquote guys 
are uh, are still around and still active, either coaching or in some cases I golf with them and I listen to their stories. Um, you know, I, I can't, I, I love listening to them because they were so much better than I was. And uh, I love listening to the stories of, of the big meets that they jumped at and, and the things that they learned. And, you know, I never got to compete internationally, you know, all the, all these things. So I, I just listen like a little kid, you know, and listen to the the big dogs talk about, you know, people that they jumped against and what they did. So uh, Doug Nordquist jumped seven, eight and three quarters, which I, don't, I think there's only a few higher uh, Hollis Conway that he mentioned uh, Hollis Conway jumped seven, 10 or 10 and a half. I think, I don't think he's jumped seven, 11. Uh, he did not mention Charles Austin, but Charles Austin won the Olympics in 96, I believe with a 10, 10 and a half jump, seven, 10 and a half. And I apologize to those of you that, that know your metric better than I do. I'm, I'm really bad at those. I'm, I'm supposed to make a, a chart <laughs> that I can refer to, but uh, still think like an American and just feet ninjas. Um, a lazy American. That's me. I, I've never bothered. I, I learned all the, some of the common ones that I used to jump at a lot, but uh, the ones that I didn't jump at a lot, I don't know as well. So, but anyway, Doug Norquist is way up on that list of, uh, of high jumpers. Um, like you said, his cousin, Dwight Stones, an American high jumping legend, jumped seven, eight at the Olympic trials in 1984, and then jumped seven, seven in the final and took fourth, which was higher than he jumped in two other Olympics and, and placed, you know, he took the bronze both of those times. Um, but he, uh, you know, jumped seven, seven came in fourth at that particular game, but seven, eight was the highest that he had reached. Maybe Jimmy Howard, Jimmy Howard might've jumped seven, nine, but that might be indoors too. So that's a whole nother category, uh, indoor versus outdoors and uh, all these different meets that you're hearing about. Some of them are no longer happening. He mentioned an AAU meet. Um, now I associate AAU with the junior Olympics. USA track and field also has a version of that. Um, but uh, Doug Nordquist um, is also an avid golfer. I've played golf with Doug. Uh, hits hits the ball pretty far. <laughs> Six five. You know he's he's no longer the svelte one seventy that he jumped at, but um, he still has got a good golf swing and hits it a long ways. And um, from listening to him talk about some of his uh, coaches that he's trained with, um, these are you know high caliber people in the the world of the high jump. Um, John Tansley is a legend. Wrote you know like he was talking about doing clinics and wrote books. Um, my friend Brian Mergenthal that I was talking about earlier, the golfing buddy from UCLA, 6'11 high jumper, used to tell me about Tansley and his clinics. And apparently Dwight was teaching some of those too at Mount Sac. Um, so there's a, a great legacy and uh, a lot of ties to, you know, uh, coaching and training. Uh, that's where I want to really want to delve into next when we get Doug back online. Uh, if we don't, we'll finish it up with another podcast another time. Um, I'd like to get him talking about uh, training in particular and uh, some of the changes that have come around in that field. Um, that's why I'm going to refer you back to the first podcast with Aaron Washa because we started talking about some uh, newer lifting techniques and ideas, especially including isometrics, which, uh, you know, I, I want to get Doug's take on that. Um, I have many technical questions, um, having been coaching now myself since I retired from competing back in 1988, which is coming up on 32 years. Oh my gosh. 
No, I'm sorry. It was 92. I quit in 92. So that's still 30, almost 30 years. Um, but I started coaching before that. So 88 was when I started. And, um, you know, a lot of things that, that I've been coaching with for a lot of years were things that I learned in college. And that was back in the early 80s. So there's a lot of newer uh, training techniques, lifting techniques, uh, speed agility drills. Um, you know, my mind has been opened up to a lot of uh, new possibilities by looking at Instagram. Uh, it's been a great teacher for me. Um, you know, different people that have come to the Sky High and Fly, you know, Instagram uh, handle that I have. And, uh, I've been asking them if I can show their jumps, uh, anybody that follows, you know, a jumper, a trainer, a coach, any of those types I, I've been following. And so it's constantly popping up on my feed and I will see, you know, all kinds of different, uh, training techniques. All right. It looks like I've got Doug back here in the waiting room. I'm gonna let him in and, uh, see if we can't continue here for a little bit. He's connecting to audio. It's just taking a second. We're the only two in my call. I never thought about doing this before, but it's a great idea doing the podcast with, um, you're on mute there, Doug. I, I had to send myself an email. Oh, yeah? Because uh, I, I typed it in the bar and it came up that it was an unsecure support. So, so anyway, oh. so I had to copy and put it in an email and send it to my wife's computer. So oh. anyway, so well, you're a better dinosaur than I am. I would have never figured that out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was uh, giving a, a podcast uh, listeners. A, <laughs> Not my, I'm, I'm Marion Nordquist. I'm my wife. <laughs> yeah, I, <see> that. <laughs> right. I was telling the, the podcast listeners about um, my, my curiosity to you know pick your brain i I sat and talked with james Kiefer last summer for two three hours he was gracious and gave me his time and you mentioned john tansley who i was actually hoping to talk to um i've I've been trying to find a way to get in touch with um tom telez and i don't even know if he would talk with me because i'm sure he doesn't yeah i am but um yeah there are certain minds that i have always wanted to pick um yours in particular um, I love talking with Lee Balkin when I can get him motivated to talk about high jumping. The, the realtor. <laughs> I'd love to talk with, um, you know, even Dwight and uh, possible, you know, he's a busy man and all that. Um, he usually would tell me to come, you know, pay for one of his, uh, his camps. if I Yes, to he will. But, um, you know, I, we're talking about, I, one of the great things about this Instagram feed that I've been on for a while now, uh, my sky high and fly jump camps is, is watching these jumpers from all over and right. it really took off last year with the pandemic because I, I couldn't post my own kids jumps or workouts because I had nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. I was either going to have to go back in time and, and post old stuff, which I probably could have done a little more of, but I came up with the idea of, Hey, you know, if somebody would show me a jump anywhere on their profile, if I saw a high jump, I would be like, right. Hey, can you send me this? And uh, I'll post it. And mm-hmm. I'd say 95% of the time they say yes. Yeah. And, um, then I, when I follow them, and I follow the coaches that follow them and I follow the trainers that follow them. I've got right. quite a bit yeah. of new information coming in. Right. And, uh, a lot of it is, is uh, like you were saying, counterintuitive to what I did, you know, back in the day. When we're saying back mm-hmm. in the day, this is the, for me, was the early to mid 80s. Mm-hmm. And now, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years later, there are, have been some innovations in 
you know, lifting and drills and this and that. And some, some may, you know, be more effective than others. So these are the things I've been dying to talk to you about. And and those of you that don't know, Doug also does um, work with uh, LA 84, right? And right. LA 84, they do clinics there. And um, I coach at California high school. I coached at Fullerton college and, um, but, uh, yeah, this, I'm still keep my, my feet in the, in the water. He's still, yeah, he's still out there trying to help these, you know, young jumpers. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these young kids probably wouldn't know anything about his background. I know Doug's too humble to sit there and go, Hey, you gotta listen well, to me because I'm, you, you, it's funny. Cause yeah. I, I've been, co- you know, in the, in the same district for 37 years before I retired. And I remember having a dual meet and, um, I was running it. It was at Cal High. It was several years ago before a new stadium. And one of the kids from the other school broke the plane of the bar. And I said, that's a miss. And the coach was incensed. He said, I've been doing this for five years. That's never been a rule. Blah, blah, blah. And I just <laughs> laugh. And I'm going, oh, boy. So, right. yeah. It's, yeah. The, <laughs> the problem, one of the problems with coaches high school coaches is they find the math teacher or the, the football coach who wants an extra stipend and they right. they'll put them in charge of something. And, and then they just start trying to figure out things on their own and don't do any research. And, and uh, yeah. So anyway. Well, one of the, one of the things I've been always been curious to talk to you about, Doug, number one, you said you were a heavier high jumper at one time. So mm-hmm. you're six, five, you're six, a, four. six, four, I thought mm-hmm. you're six, five, six, four, 185 at one time you said. Yeah, they've got a picture of me. I was on the cover of uh, Track and Field Marketplace when I was at Wazoo. It was a, we were at Stanford Stadium, and I look at it. I'm going, that's where I got coined the phrase "sumo high jumper." Man, right. he was. I was big. I, you know, the freshman fifteen. Right. Um, you know, and plus we lifted like fiends when I was up there. Um, right. You know, a, a rest day was you know just doing five sets of something. Sloan, there was no such, such thing as rest. Right. You know, it, it, he was a decaf, old school decathlete, you know, so if little is good, more is better. And, and uh, so uh, well, that's American came, thinking, right? Right, right. And then, um, you know, uh, I remember, I think it was Rick that was actually talking about weight to weight to power ratio, taking a V8 and putting it in a Volkswagen. And that, I, you know, I started thinking and, and when I came back down here, just, uh, I don't, I think I just cut things out of my diet. I, I didn't really think of, of dieting, but I just stopped eating as much and, and I lost, you know, I was training hard. So I still, I lost the weight and, right. you know, it's, it's, you know, as I tell the kids, force equals mass times acceleration. Yep. So you yep. can either run faster or gain weight. Absolutely. To jump higher. You know, I always tell the kids they can either be faster and lighter or they can get stronger. So I yeah. said, you can either be like the Hulk because the Hulk just powers up and goes, or, you know, you can get a, a strength to weight ratio. Now the questions I have for you, Dougie Doug is um, when you're, when you're designing a program for your athletes now, right. And you send them into the weight room, what are the, the states well, that you give them? There's, in our district, there's no weight room right now. Right. Well, I mean, if you could, <laughs> let's, let's go back to uh, a couple years ago. And if you could yeah. get them in the weight room, what would you give them to do? Um, well, just, Get them to be a better athlete, I think, in high school. Just trying to get better movement. Um, okay. I got a kid that came out that's, uh, that's a hard worker, smart kid, very conscientious, 
but he's only played basketball. Right. And so his kinesthetic awareness is just minimal. Um, and the guy can come off the ground, but he can scissor higher than he can flop. Right. Because of that lack of kinesthetic awareness. Um, so it's, it's important, I think, just to get the kid to be able to move uh, better, whether, you know, in the weight room, just doing some light uh, Olympic lifts, uh, teaching the technique. Um, you know, when I was in high school, we just had a universal machine. So I was just doing leg, leg press and, I remember, leg yeah. and, and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, the thing that, that, um, that you want to make sure that the kids remember is you want to create power, not necessarily just strength because power is, uh, uh, what is it? Movement over time or something. I don't remember the formula. Right. Um, and so you want to be able to move the weight as fast as you can, not, you know, a full squat down to the ground with right. a million pounds. Um, you want to be able to move that weight quickly. So, you know, trying to, um, um, trying to teach them just Jack that. up the neuromuscular Quickly. system right. sure. move it quickly. Yeah. Longer range of motion, right. Is, yeah. Is better yeah. To... And flexibility, you know, working, working that. And we were doing some, um, just some body work stuff on the, on the track. Cause we can't go in there and, and making sure the kids are doing those through the full range of motion. Um, I forget what they call the hamstring where you you have somebody hold your feet and you're trying to let yourself yeah, down yeah. The Norwegian That's or, new, right? yeah. or something. I love yeah. That one. yeah. And so we were doing that and I, and I told the kids, make sure that you go all the way to the ground, even if you, you can't, can't let yourself up. down to, right. to make sure you're not shortening that ham, the belly of the hamstring. Right. Right. So um, yeah, just making sure they're using full range of motion and doing things quickly and, um, creating joint stability is another thing. Shin splints are the bane of our resistance right, right. now that we're, we've got an all weather track that we're on uh, 24 seven. So we're trying to work on uh, that as well. well. I hate to plug another guy's business, but uh, have you been watching any of the stuff from this guy, the knees over toes guy? Have you seen him? Uh, it, no. What is it? Knees over toes? Knees over toes guy. Just if you write it out the way it sounds, just it's like four words, knees over toes. And then Guy, he's a former um, uh, high school basketball player with an right. 18-inch vertical, had nothing apparently, and tore out his ACL. Right. So he had I surgery done. That. And now he, if you watch his workout stuff, he goes incredibly slowly through all these incredible ranges of motion where mm -hmm. one-legged squats, two-legged deep, deep squats, like past parallel, past everything, uh, and, you know, get is in incredible shape when you watch him do right. his stuff he's talking to you as he's doing this stuff without losing his breath and right. now he's got like a 40 inch vertical he can tomahawk dunk you know windmill <laughs> and you're watching all this stuff he's looks like he's in his either late 20s or early 30s right. you know now is that a but, website or is that on instagram what's that it's on instagram i'm sure he has a website as well because right. he's he very quickly got into selling his programs and um, oh sure it sure. shows you these workouts that he's doing and all this stuff and, and he's got a lot of testimonials from people that have had you know these major surgeries that are now you know coming back so there's there's stuff in there he calls it bulletproofing your knees and bulletproofing your shins so he's right. got these different yeah. things from the, I don't know if you've seen these monkeys feet. Have you seen the monkey foot thing where they, it looks like a ski boot where you can hook a dumbbell to it. 
So oh, uh -huh. it clamps around your foot, but you can attach a dumbbell and then you can do hip right. flexor stuff, right? Or, oh, or hamstrings yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. And, and um, also a thing where you can hook your, your feet in, like you're going to sit in a Roman chair, but you uh -huh. hook your feet into it. And it's just basically this little thing where you can, you hook it onto a, a plate, 25 mm -hmm. or 35 pound plate or whatever, and do the, the tibialis oh. raise oh. with those. Yeah. yeah. So there, it's got a couple of, of nice little you know things in it where you're sure. watching it going i i need to get one of those and do those a lot and then right. I, I remember the the shin splint thing you're bringing up um obviously you know if somebody knew exactly how to fix that i think it would go a long way but uh, yeah. besides raising the tibialis anterior did what else did you do other than icing which i'm sure we've all done to oh a for, yeah just a lot of flexibility um you know uh, i remember when i was at Fullerton College, um, the, the um, Al Fiola was our sprint hurdlers coach. And during recovery, he had us do dork walks, which were toe up, toe right. in, on tiptoes. And I'm going, that's back in the 70s. And right. that's, that's, again, trying to keep those shins. Because I had shins, the only time I had shin splints was my freshman year. And it was just, it was tough. Yeah. I think um, when the lower leg matures, I think it, it can kind of go away unless yeah. you really do too heavy a volume after yeah. that, which, you know, you can break it down. But Yeah. So, um, you know, they've got, I, I'm, I'm not well-versed in this kinesio tape, but I've seen some things online about uh, different tape jobs with the kinesio tape. And I, I, I don't understand the concept behind that stuff, but the people that use it swear by it. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I don't, <laughs> you put blue painters tape on a shin and it takes it away. You know, I, I know it's not that, but it's just, right. you know, and the different colors have different properties and I'm going, is it, is it the emperor's new clothes or does it, is it really helpful? I, I, right. I, I don't know, it, it, but uh, you know, there, there are people that swear by it and, you know, you see people run with it. So I, it must be working. So, uh, but that would be another thing I've talked. I've got one kid that's got terminal, um, shin splints and it's right. like the thing that i tell her on a regular basis your job today for workout is to walk away not in pain right don't go until it hurts stop before it hurts so we can come back and and so she'll the rest the thing is the rest thing is becoming bigger and bigger i think too yeah. right because yeah. i remember you know having talked with with you and and some other high high quality jumpers lee balkan told me right for instance when when we trained at UCLA, when he and Dell were there, we didn't have a coach. James right. Keith had left. Right. Um, you know, um, Telez had left. So right. when we got there, Bob Larson shakes my hand the first day. And he Bob goes, Larson from Grossman College. From, yeah, and he shakes my hand. He says, I'm the high jump coach. And I'm like, oh, great. I read the article in Sports Illustrated when Dell jumped 7-7 seven, seven and a quarter at NC2As. Yeah. And it mentioned Bob Larson's name, you know, and I'm like, oh, great, Bob Larson. He goes, I don't know anything about the high jump. Literally, I, first, I remember, first time I met him, he tells first, me. For, I remember meeting Bob Larson when he was at Grossmont, so I was still at Fullerton. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went down there, and I just had a, uh, a, a meet. Uh, I had just come off of two weeks of, of an injury, and I missed twice at 6'6", six, six, and I was screaming like a banshee, and my little brother was on the team, and he came and got in my face. He you prima donna, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I made six, 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 eight, and seven feet in this dual meet down in down in Grossmont. And I remember um, 
uh, Larson coming over and, and congratulating me and talking to me. And then the next year he was, oh, hey, you should yeah. lay. Or not the next year, but within right. a year or two years ago. Well, the, the upshot of all that was is we didn't have a coach. So right. when I was working with Dell and Lee, they were kind of the coaches and we were doing workouts, but we were basically human lab rats. We were right. just experimenting, doing crazy stuff. I mean, I right. can't even tell you the bounding up and down the bleachers and, right. you know, the lifting in the weight room and, and probably incredibly high volumes of short approach right. and sure. everything else. And, you know, I keep thinking I probably took about five years off my legs mm. just by the, you know, the overtraining sure. through there, because, right. you know, you just, like you said, you didn't think about it. And I have kids now that I'm training that if I'm, they're not one of my kids, I, you know, I coach at Los Alamitos high school. So if I'm training an athlete from another school, you know, you only see them the day you work out with them and then they're doing their regular practice right. and their coaches are making them do whatever they do. Right. And I've had these kids tell me, go, yeah, well, I jumped with you. And then I jumped the next day and then I jumped on Thursday and we had a meet right. Friday and then we had, right. we had another, and I'm like, no, 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 wait, yeah. <laughs> we got to have a talk, you know? Right. Um, right. Well, that's the problem. You know, this COVID year, um, the kids on the basketball, I had a kid came, came out from basketball who jumped uh, a little bit last two years uh, after basketball, but he had a full basketball practice and he said, okay, we got to meet on Thursday. This is your first practice. I said, okay, we're taking six jumps. Oh, That's all, you know, you, you count at six jumps. We're done. Cause if you've been at basketball all day, jump, 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 jump. Right. And then we come out here and we jump, 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 jump. And you go to basketball practice tomorrow. And then the meet on Thursday your body's not going to be able to. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I hate the term less is more, but at that point, you know, he's doing more and more. So on my side, I got to, I got to be conscious about. So I, and my kids probably in a joke, I don't know about your kids, um, but they probably take a max of 10, 15 jumps max uh, a day um, or, you know, on once a week. And then we have the meet. Right. Um, you know, yeah. and so it's it's not fifty jumps in a practice. Yeah, especially the the longer approaches also because mm-hmm. then you got, you know, I've I've been trying to do more you know short approach stuff mm-hmm. forever. That was a staple, of, you know, Elias. But um, right. they still add Baruch. up. You know, they still add up, yeah. and uh, you know, but the full approach ones, man, you, you can't can't do much there. Now, do you think the you were talking about the importance of the run throughs? Mm-hmm. Can they do? more run-throughs and, and not worry about the volume? Yeah, next week, uh, in fact, our Thursday meet, we have our meets on Thursday, and I can't be, usually I go jump Tuesday and we have the meet on Thursday, but I'm going to have to go Monday because I've got a commitment on Tuesday. And I was thinking about going in on Wednesday and just running approaches. Just uh, maybe doing five approaches. And, and I tell the kids to do this, say on the day before, do your good warm-up, and then um, – say uh okay you're you it go through your mind okay the bars for for my guy okay the bars at five feet first step five feet first step five two first step five four five six five eight and then five ten and to do that several times or not several times but do that twice and run your approach and right. in your mind you're you're appro- you're doing that in your you know you're thinking it it, it right. is uh you know so yeah running your approach is part of that and then i also remember the kid tell the kids okay we did 10 approaches and we did 10 jumps okay i don't want you to do exactly what the sprinters are doing let's do you know 
one less of the intervals or, you know, right. just that because a lot of them do the sprints as well. Right. Shorts. You can do some short sprints. Yeah. Do you have, ever have them run anything over 100 meters? Uh, early year. Yeah. They'll, they'll run some 200s and 300s early. Right. And then, but later on. It's but as you start tapering down. Yeah. Hundreds and fifties, mm-hmm. maybe speed, speed endurance. Yeah. So real quick, I we're we're in my mind not dragging on, but it could okay. be dragging Can on. Can you hang me. on just a second? Let me let me uh, tap a kidney real quick. I know that's going to go real well in your uh, <laughs> your right. podcast. Okay. I'm about to ask uh, Doug about um, what was I going to ask him about? My my brain just shut off. Um. Oh, the, what are the, the best, uh, techniques, uh, technical elements to improve for high jumpers to improve on, to get from say the good high school level, uh, high school boys jumping anywhere from six, six, let's say to, to seven feet to where they start competing at the really higher levels. And for girls, we'll say five, six. So Sorry my last uh, subject wa- okay. that I had in mind was, um, uh, in your estimation, uh, you know, I-, I think we both agree if you're, you're jumping six, four, six, six, you start verging, you know, in high school, there's a lot of people that have jumped at that height that have gone on to, you know, jump tremendously high. Right. And there are other people that, you know, that's as high as they're ever going to jump. Right. Uh, for girls, let's say five, six, you know, approaching to six feet again, uh, good at the high school level, uh, five, six, almost in California every year, five, six, no misses probably goes to state now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if you're jumping five, eight or five, 10, obviously you're going to be fighting to win it. Um, what do you think, Doug, is the most important technical element to implement for these guys to step up to the, the next, next level? Because so, so many of these kids naturally can come out and like you said, you get yourself a basketball player with some hops and, and you might be able to get them over six, four, six, six, and they yeah. might not master well, any higher techniques. The, yeah. One thing that uh, you mentioned a couple of times, vertical jumps and uh, box jumps, there's a significant, significant difference between jumping off of two feet and jumping off of one foot. Yes. Just because somebody can slam dump uh, off of one foot or two feet from a stand doesn't mean that they can take five steps and run and right. jump. Um, but uh, secondly, um, I, I'm a big, well, you as well, I, I, I'm a big advocate of community college um, because it's a place where if, even if you're, you know, a marginally good high school athlete, the community college now, it's interesting because the, the, the top class is still there, that, that the, the elite athlete at the community college, the, the heights, the speed, the times are about the same but it drops off really quick. Right. I've, I've seen. And so you can probably go on and continue and, and hone your craft. And then maybe you'll be able to get a division one, division two, division three scholarship or compete at that level. Right. Um, the thing that if, if I say, you know, the one thing that I would tell kids that are trying to get to that next level is your technique the, the biggest flaw I see in, in the college or the high school kids is one, they don't have an approach. They don't know right. how many steps they take. They don't. Last week we had 
um, a school over and this girl was taking 14 steps, taking off past the middle of the bar. Right. She knocked the standard over and I'm thinking, is it, am She's I liable if she misses the pit? <laughs> Cause I'm, right. I'm in charge or is it the, the coach <laughs> that's telling her, you know, right. but they don't know. Um, and I blame that on, on the coach, but he's probably a math teacher who came out for the first time. is just trying to figure it out. And, right. um, so, uh, I would say they need to master their approach first and, you know, run the curve and doggone it, man. You, there are so many good videos on the internet um, of good jumps. Barshim just, uh, oh, I know. Uh, you know, and, and there's so many good uh, Ukrainian and Russian girls out there. Right. And Cunningham, she's doing a lot of things right. Oh, I tell you um, what, yeah, I was amazed when I watched her on, on video. How good yeah, she was. and 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 video yourself. Uh, back when I was a kid, yeah, you know, we had to get the <laughs> Super Eight uh, film, you know, finish the reel, yeah, and then we had to take it and get it developed, right. and then you found out that you open up the camera too early and you exposed all the film, right? <laughs> or you're looking at videotape yeah. that's so grainy you can't see anything. Sure, yeah. and and then you know, but funny story when i was a kid and at sonora we used to on rainy days we'd watch film loops you know uh th- that day's videos and i remember one of my goals at that time was i want to be on a film loop and or mcmurray he uh mm-hmm. he, he put me out there um a technique film so um the and then video yourself and compare and contrast you use a formal uh, educator uh terminology Right. And and look at see what you're doing, because most of the most of the kids um, don't have enough rotation over the bar, including mine. Uh, they need to run the curve. And, and you, you mentioned your golf analogy, you know, trying to do things in the air is like me telling my ball not to go in the water. Right. After after it leaves the club face, there's nothing that I can do to change that path path of that ball. Yeah. Same thing in the high jump. Once you leave the ground, you cannot do anything to change the path of the, the par- parabolic path of the center right. mass. Yeah. You can manipulate your arms and legs to try and create rotations or slow down rotations or whatever, but it's not, it's, it, it, you know, everything's set in stone. So, right. you know, to coach backwards from that takeoff and if, if they can remember that, because it gets what I look at over the bar, uh, you know, how's my arch? Just, you know, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're six inches over the bar, but you still knocking it off because you don't have rotation, you know, yeah. and, you know, I love, uh, I tell, t- share this story every time I talk about the high jump almost. I remember being at uh, Tribuco Hills High School, one of the big meets they have every year and, and the coach yells at his, his kid on the field, stay in the air longer. <laughs> said, yeah, coach, you got it. That's it. I love it. That's one of the greatest Bond mots of all time. Right. So you uh, you put the emphasis on the approach work, sure. And then uh, I this is just a quick. I was just thinking of all the the I was doing some talking while you were gone and mm-hmm. and telling people more about the all time list and here in the U.S. Um, which you would know better than I would. Now uh, Charles Austin jumped seven ten and a half and won the Olympics in ninety six. Is that right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then and Hollis, Hollis did, jumped seven ten or. No, he jumped it indoors. He, they, he's the indoor seven ten and a half, and and Charles uh, has outdoors. Charles is outdoors, right? 
Okay, so indoor and outdoor, seven, ten and a half, both. So we don't have anybody over seven eleven yet. Like you're saying, Barshim no. has done that numerous times. Yeah. Did you do you follow? Um, oh gosh, my computer died. Uh, a guy named Louis Louis Lett, I think is his name on Instagram. Mm, no, but I'll he's look. He's a him European up. guy. Let me. I'll get to you a sec because he posts a thousand things. Jack Data is one guy that posts a lot of high jump stuff, mm-hmm. and then Louis. Um, uh, I, I'd never heard of him before, but he, um, of course he's not coming up. Um, but he had a interesting, uh, yeah, Lewis L E I T E. Um, he's, uh, I don't know, somewhere in Europe, but he had a graph the other day of the number of jumps over 245, the number of jumpers over 240, the number 235. Right. And he just does stuff like that. It's just so fun. Right. I've never met him, but we're buds on Instagram. Right. Um, but uh, only only 90 people have jumped 235 in all of history have jumped higher than 235. Okay. And that's and what height is that for those of us that don't know? 235 is 7'8. Seven, 7'8. Eight. Seven, eight. Okay. Yeah. And then 240. I think he said there was 15. I was looking for the the graph, and it's not. Of course, I can't. I can't find it. Um, but uh, yeah. I was. I've been amazed at uh, how many times it seems to hold true with the high jump uh, more than some other events. That how many times the Olympic champion is not the world champion of of record for years and years, and sometimes just seems to come out of nowhere. You know. Derek Drown in 2016 from Canada, you know, nobody knew who Derek Drown was and everybody was looking forward to the showdown between Barshim and Bondarenko. Right. And and they represented the way they always do. I mean, Barshim was all over the road. Like he is, he misses, he makes, he misses, he makes, he's all over, but he just keeps going higher. Bondarenko opened up high, only took about three jumps to get over, you know, seven, nine and three quarters, but Drown never missed. Right. They both started pressing. You could see they were like, yeah. I don't know if we can beat this guy today. Well, it's, again, you get into those it. meets, although Bondarenko and, and Barshim's uh, meet in New York. Right, in ni- uh, they both jumped 7-Eleven. Yeah. Oh, that, that, I use that, that 7-Eleven jump of Barshim as uh, talking about penultimate step and, and yes. staying in the curve at the takeoff and rotation. Right. It's just like, okay. Seven eleven and a half, and he's three inches over it. It's like, yeah. if I cleared seven feet like that, I was, <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. oh man, I hate to do that too. I, I show, I mean, I love it, but I so many times with the kids, I'll be like, okay, look, and I have one of his jumps from Instagram that right. shows me a perfect takeoff takeoff angle, so I can see his right. his slide step that you know that that real quick penultimate right. body lean angle you're talking about. I show a fast. He does a flash gather, I call it, real quick, right. together, and boom, yeah, yeah. and then waits patiently to go mm-hmm. vertical and then horizontal before right. he does anything that looks like a layout. You know, he's yeah, like yeah. waiting, waiting, waiting. You, you, you say that term waiting, and I still remember um, between the, the – um, before the Olympic trials – or yeah uh, – it was before the Olympic trials, um, jumping at Ambassador College with Dwight. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember P- those meets. And Petrie, Petrie the, the, the official. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so uh, I, I remember I, I jumped 7'5", and 
And then it was the first time I jumped seven, attempted seven, seven. And, you know, it's used block and drop and, and it was block. Oh, wait. And you had to, there was a split second of, you got to elevate. And it was, it was like, wow, this is really high. It just, you know, learning to hold that vertical a little bit longer to get to that point. And, and, you know, when you go from to Seven Eleven, it's it's a minute before you lay out or whatever. But uh, I have my new favorite saying is uh, the height of the bar eliminates certain technique flaws. Right. Like if you're into throwing your head back in the middle of your takeoff, you're quickly going to find that that will become obsolete. You know, right. when the bar gets up a little bit taller than you Tell are. Your shoulders, yeah. Yeah, you start smacking it with your head or your shoulders or whatever, and uh, you know, riding that knee drive or you know whatever it is. But you're saying, you know, waiting is seems to be the the one thing. Right. Like you're saying, I, I like the curve mechanics and all that, but then so many times you just have to teach patience and you're dealing with high school kids. Right. Oh yeah, patience. <laughs> we want patience. When do we want it? Now. Right now. I want patience now. Exactly. I found that 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 graph. So it says two twenty, seven two and a quarter, two thousand one hundred and sixty four men. Wow. 225, seven, four and three quarters, 878, 230, seven, six and a half, 344, um, 235, 91, 240, 1845, one. Yeah. And his, the, the, it's called high jump madness or high jump. It's a private group. Wow. Um, I'll see if I, I'll see if I can figure out how to invite you to join it. I, yeah, that'd be I'm, great. I'm a neophyte here. So, but it's, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I like to, I'm like you said, I'm watching a lot of this stuff and I was a diehard, you know, double arm pump guy forever right. and ever. I mean, my high school coach was a shot putter. Uh, he was big into making us jump up and down the bleachers, you know, so I was imitating double arm pump and driving my knee and doing that. And then, and I never changed that in college. And then I remember watching, the original Fosbury films. And I was like, mm-hmm. I tried to, you know, like everybody else has probably done. I tried to imitate that one time and I can't get off the ground doing that. You know, run, I, double I, arm, I, it's single arm, run, run right, back, right, off, the right ground, off the ground. That yeah. inside arm comes back, you know, and it's just like, how does he get off the ground? And then I'm looking at him on film. I'm like, well, he's six, four and he looks like he's 130 pounds or 140 yeah, and, pounds, you know? And speaking of him, the wizard of Foz, uh-huh. a book that he, uh, it's his by. uh, I don't know if it's an autobiography or biography. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. In fact, I, I read it a couple weeks ago. Now I'm reading, um, uh, it's called Track in the Forest or something about the 68 Olympic trials up at uh, Echo Summit in Tahoe. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, it's funny because Helmer Lodge, the, the, the guy who na- they named Mount Sac Relay or Mount uh-huh. Sac uh, Stadium after, Helmer Lodge was the USOC um, president and, right. and all these names of coaches and athletes it's it's just spectacular i'm loving yeah. it oh but yeah the, i gotta i gotta get Wizard that of Foz is a great book it's a great book and if you go on if you go on his website i guess you can get it autographed i didn't right uh, i i posted on facebook that i was reading it and he he commented back so i go oh, oh great the man yeah well, i've had a, a bunch of kids say they still go out there to to go to his camps or go to yeah. into the, to the relays. Isn't he the grand poobah of like some big, the, is it the Des Moines, the Drake Spin, relays or something? No, uh, yeah, but Simplot games, I think up in yeah. Idaho or something he does. Right, right. He's just like the, 
like sitting he in lives, his throne and everybody yeah, comes he, up. He and, lives in Ketchum. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, hey, Doug, um, I really appreciate the time and I'm, yeah. I'm sure we can, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get a, a chance to do this again, maybe oh, go heck yeah. more specifics here, there. And talk about high jump. Absolutely. I right? don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the time and uh, we will, we'll do it again and we'll see if we can't get our good friend, Leo. Maybe we can get. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's, I talked to him this morning. He said, Oh, I owe him a, uh, tell him I'll get back to him. It just, he's, he's not even playing golf now, right now. He, oh I'm, yeah. We've got this thing this summer we're trying to get together and, and, uh, he said, I'll play golf in April. I said, it's April. Okay. <laughs> so he's busier than the one. One of the busiest. Hanger. But yeah. when I talked to him today. He was actually uh, going back to see Jason Grimes, a buddy of ours. His, he's a 27 foot long jumper back in the day. His I son remember is graduating, hearing name, yeah. graduating from uh, Florida A&M or Florida something. Right. Um, and so he's down in Florida. <laughs> and he's like, okay. Now I remember why I live in California. Right humidity is horrible oh my gosh yeah fun to play a couple golf rounds maybe but after that yeah yeah crazy so yeah so um that that lewis let he's it's on facebook it's not instagram so you might have to i i don't have you anywhere on facebook so right okay so and it's spell the last name again l um it's l um l-u-i-s-l-e-i-t-e and yeah kenny banks mike pescuzzo um tyke peacock charles austin um awesome carrie myers jeremy fisher dalton grant um ronaldo brown kenny banks yeah some names uh stefan home ron kamaka yeah. I want to get I want to get Ron. I'll definitely talk with Ron. Sure. Well, I'll, I'm hopefully I'll see him this weekend because I'm going to be helping out at the Mount Sac Golden oh, great. whatever meet they have on Sunday. So, okay. Your, uh, your They're home. having that the day after Arcadia, huh? Well, yeah, and it's it's going to be one of these abbreviated meets and right. no no fans in attendance. A bunch uh, of yeah, Arcadia's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. All righty. All right, Doug. Yeah, I appreciate it. We'll talk no to problem. you soon. All right. Take care, buddy. Thanks, uh, Doug. Bye-bye. Bye.